5 o'clock in Pirate Country, and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Lock it in. Turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. That don't kill me can only make me stronger. I need you to hurry up now, cause I can't wait much longer. I know they have uh, struggled in prime time, but you gotta feel good about them tonight, right? Carolina Panthers and Houston Texans. I do. Week three of the NFL. Yeah, I, I know you do. That's the ref, Philip Pilkington, right there. Patrick Johnson with you. Uh, the game can be heard tonight on our sister station, Talk 1037 WTIB, beginning at 730, kickoff at 820 tonight, Eastern Time. Uh, Carolina opened as a seven-point favorite. I think uh, they're an eight-point favorite now? Our update is saying eight and a half. Okay, so that's even that's even climbed beyond what I'm looking at right now. Um, Panthers, I mean, this is just if you're so interested. 7-0, ATS on the road. It's an interesting trend, right? That is. Interesting trend. Yeah, interesting trend. Uh, hey, before we, we break this down, and, and Philip, uh, you guys are going to – when are you doing your podcast? Did you do one for today? Podcast has already been recorded, and Ben is currently okay. editing and airing as we speak. Okay. So it'll be posted on 94.3. The game is kind of a primer? Yeah, it's a uh, recap from last week and then a uh, – promo for uh, this week okay well you better get it up because you only have a few like four hours well we were supposed to get it up yesterday and uh weather kind of wasn't i wasn't able to come to the studio and give it to ben so you know mother nature you know she always has to have her say in every mother nature blame that yes i got you okay well uh point is check out that podcast it'll be on 94.3 the game here if it's not already uh okay so um brian mole we're talking Ryder cup with him and then uh, north Pitt's playing tonight uh, we had Greg Watford scheduled for this week, and uh, he's the great coach of North Pitt, really good guy. Wanted to have him on, so we got coach on uh, tonight uh, ahead of their game against North Johnson. Very good uh, chance that they'll move to 4-0 and this evening. Uh, so uh, best of luck to them as they'll be playing up in Bethel. All right, wh- how do you see this game tonight? And, and uh, Just give me a, maybe the, the elevator analysis of this, 30 seconds or so, because we've got to be quick in this segment. Um, I think if Carolina stops the run, they can win. And I know it sounds cliche, but this is a veteran backfield. They can run on you well, and their quarterback is young. He's a rookie. So stop the run and don't make big mistakes on offense. If I were uh, doing this for entertainment purposes only, right, I would take the under tonight. I agree. That's just me. Yeah, I don't think it's somewhere in in the low to mid-40s. I I would go nowhere near that tonight. But uh, here's what I think. I think you have a rookie quarterback. I don't see that rookie quarterback playing that well for the Texans. Uh, and I see the Panthers just continuing the mo, if you will, from the other the other day Sunday. In other words, I see them with the good times continuing to roll. Sometimes this Thursday's tricky. I think in some ways it's trickier in the NFL for the home team because you're still at home, but you're out of your routine. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Where, that makes sense. If you're the road team in this, I and let's hope Matt Rule's done this, you just built this into your prep already. So you were kind of getting ready for two games. In this, you know what I'm talking about? Like Sunday night, they were already well on and well into uh, the Texans. That That's just my my take on it, for what it's worth. 
for what it's worth. Uh, so I, I do like the Panthers tonight. Um, I'm not in love with that that number, but uh, yeah, I could see it maybe being a two-score game. I could see it being somewhere, I mean, you know, 10 to 4. Yeah, I could see. I, I, I probably don't hate that number as much as I did if I, if I don't think about it. Who has to play well tonight for the Panthers in your estimation? The front seven. Okay. I agree. I agree. Well, you're going real defensive with this, aren't you? I am. I, I think we know what we're going to see out of the offense as long as they don't just make horrible, horrible turnovers. I mean, if you got to settle for a punt, then punt. Just don't give them a yeah. short field. Yeah. I agree. I agree. All right. Uh, Panthers on Thursday night, though. Just so you know, all time, 2-9, and 1-10 ATS all time on Thursday night. It's hard to believe they played that many Thursday night games, isn't it? It is. Seems like Thursday That's... night football is kind of a new thing. Yeah, I, I, I thought that was a little bit of a, a misprint when I heard that originally, but it's not. All right. Uh, hey, don't forget, and we're going to have our Pirate Report next segment. Uh, Brian Mull coming up. We'll talk to the North Pitt head football coach. They got a game tonight. Uh, really quick here, going to break. Uh, our Pirate Game Day countdown, fueled by Bush Light. 3 o'clock outside the Town Bank Tower on Saturday. Terrence Copper and yours truly will be there. Uh, looking forward to it. Uh, as about a good a time to get a break as there is, don't you think? So uh, let's uh, go ahead and get a break in because, again, uh, the uh, we got to get they, they don't go long in the first segment, and this is a day we can't go long in the first segment. So a timeout, and when we come back, uh, we're going to run through our pirate report here from Donnie Kirkpatrick and Blake Harrell on uh, the win over Marshall, and also uh, their thoughts on Charleston Southern. That is straight ahead on the Patrick Johnson Show. And now Patrick Johnson with today's pirate report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates 94.3 The Game. Today's pirate report is brought to you in part by Greenville Pathology. We are part of the local community. Greenville Pathology. We don't see you as a specimen. We see you by Wilson Rhodes Heating and Air Conditioning, keeping you comfortable since 1961. Healthwise Pharmacy on Memorial Drive, where they put your health first. Locally owned and operated by pharmacist Marcy Parker and by Dogwood State Bank. Exceptional progressive customer service and the latest financial products in a cost-effective way. They're bringing you our pirate report today. Uh, let's hear from Donnie Kirkpatrick. Uh, and, uh, you know, he said they didn't run anything any different in that fourth quarter. They just played better at Marshall. Cut one. Well, it, we didn't do anything different. That's the thing. I, I know you're saying it just they got more open, they caught the ball. You know what I'm saying? He threw the ball where he was supposed to throw it, and they caught it. And you know what I'm saying? We didn't, we didn't run the ball great. We had a long run. That was good, you know, like that. But consistently, I wish we would have run it better. Uh, but we didn't do anything different. We didn't go any faster. We didn't do anything different. We just played better. See, I, maybe so. I just I think Ehlers got rid of the football more quickly, Philip. That's the one thing. I, I don't know if you watched the game with Ben, but Ben was texting me during the game, and that's what Ben was, you know, just Ehlers kind of hanging on to it too long, doesn't see what's developing in front of him. I thought he did a much better job of that. That's just that's that's me. You've no. officiated football, so you've got a pretty good eye for this. I mean, do you think that's the case? I agree, and I think he had more time to throw the football, which That's allowed true. him to not be as you know yeah. as on edge, and therefore sometimes you actually do get the ball out faster because I don't know you yeah. just everything's going slower in your mind. 
All right, uh, let's move to the third cut on this vast soundbite roster today. This is Donnie, Kirkpatch, uh, Donnie Kirkpatrick, UCU offensive coordinator, praising the play of tight end Shane Calhoun. Well, Shane played great, and, and we always know Shane can. What happens is a game of matchups. So early in the game, we ran the same plays that Shane ended up catching the ball on. And he wasn't in, though, because there's a rotation. You know, especially early in the game, you just try not to burn them out because they can't play 80 plays. We end up playing 90-some, so it's a good thing we were subbing early. And the one guy just did not run the route right. And at halftime, we are back in there drawing it up saying, if you'll just release outside, you're so much bigger than the guy covering you, he's going to throw you a back shoulder throw, and you're going to – and so Shane makes like two or three. It's the same play. He was just doing it right, Houghton was just making a great throw, and he was catching the ball. Well, because he does that, now Houghton starts looking for him. I mean, you can say you're not, you're making the reads, but all of a sudden that guy looks more open because you believe in him. You know what I'm saying? He's the same amount of one yard open maybe that he was before, and you're saying he's not open. But now once you say that guy's going to catch that ball, you start throwing, and you throw it with more confidence, I think, and Shane had a huge day. Donnie Kirkpatrick saying that sometimes – uh, Holt Naylor struggles getting on guys. Because he's such a great teammate and he's such a good person that he does struggle with in that at times he has to be more like a coach. And he's got to say, get your head out of your whatever and let's get going here, you know what I'm saying? And, and he doesn't like to do that. He likes to take the blame himself and say, well, I could have done this. I could have thrown here. You know, I could have put it a little more behind you. And, and there's a time when you got to say, no, you got to run quicker. You got to put your foot in the ground. You got to run a better route. You got to go get open. You're under one-on-one coverage, and I think he finally kind of got them together and said, "This is, you know, one of those situations." A couple people, and I don't know that he. I don't know what individual, but I know a couple of them really started playing. And uh, cut six here, uh, ref, where Donnie talks about if he thinks Holton will spread the ball around more after last week. That's an interesting I, yeah, question. I think so. I mean, you know, that that practice has gone that way too. But we have, we have a lot of different guys, as long as everybody's healthy, that, you know, deserve touches. So we can spread the ball around. In the end, that makes you harder to defend. And he talked about the running back's performance. It's hard to take one of you know those two out. You know what I'm saying? We've been fortunate that they've, they've hung in there. Yeah, I, I really do. I wish we could get guys in there more. I wish we could play a lot more guys because, you know, anybody that practices hard and does what they're supposed to do deserves to get to go play. But it's a win game. You know what I'm saying? It's a win game. You know, so you've got to go win. You've got to make that decision. Uh, you know, how do you take those guys out? I, I like that we're getting them the ball somewhat evenly, you know, whatever. Uh, I really wish we were getting it to them more. You know what I'm saying? I really wish they were getting more because they, they make, make good plays when they get it. You know what I'm saying? I wish we were getting it to them a little bit more. Uh, Pop's getting closer. Pop's had a really good week of practice. Not always. There's not a guarantee. But that usually means something's good's getting ready to happen. All right. That's interesting. That is. Uh, this is uh final Kirkpatrick cut we'll get to here today. Uh, and this is uh, – Coach uh, Donnie Kay on the uh, using more of twelve personnel. Well, it, it's been good. It's been for a couple of reasons. One, because we got we got some tight ends, and that Shane's a good player. Ryan Jones is a good player. Zach Bird's really improved. Zach's given us something, and Aaron Jarman has joined the group, and that's been really good. So we've got some depth there, and we got some different ways we're playing them, and different things we're doing. The other part of that is that uh, Maceo got banged up. 
And so we just got Sneed at the one slot. So in order to give Sneed, who also runs back kicks, runs back punts, does a lot of other things, to give him a little bit of a breather, we've used 12 personnel. That way we could take him out. All right, we've got some Blake Harrell cuts to get to. We'll uh, roll through those here uh, and uh, be aware of our time as well. Pack show today. Uh, this is uh, Coach Harrell. He runs through the Charleston Southern offense for us in cut number 11 on the Vast Soundbite roster. Well, Ch- Charleston Southern, very familiar with. Uh, played them, uh, you know, I think four or five times throughout my career. A um, couple times at the Citadel, a couple times at Kennesaw State. Some of these same kids that are on their roster were there. Um, the quarterback, Jack, recruited him out of high school, so very familiar with him um, and their program. So, And they're a very good program. The quarterback, he's very dynamic. He'll get it scrambling out of the pocket, and it turns into scramble drill, and you turn somebody loose down the field. Uh, we made that mistake last week early in the game, and we got to continue to make sure we you know, plaster our guys in the secondary and then we have eyes on the quarterback and get ready to trigger for him, get him on the ground and, and doing a good job. And he's he's really good at that, and he has been for years and done a nice job. Uh, they'll spread you out. They are a uh, air raid spread offense, um, but they're very balanced. I mean, they got 150 yards rushing, 250 a pass in the game right now. So uh, very good offense, and it's about 50-50 and what they want to do on first and second down. So uh, we certainly got a work cut out for us. It doesn't matter, um, you know, what level of football they are. They're a good football team. And they're going to bring their A game. And, and they got several receivers from here in North Carolina, local kids from Jake's Rose, Jacksonville, and uh, High Point Central there, or the uh, High Point area. So I'm sure they're going to be playing their best ball. So we got to be ready and we got to go out and take care of us and do the things that we need to do to execute. All right. And this is Blake Harrell on the uh, fourth quarter last week, the way his defense played. That, that was an awesome fourth quarter. I mean, defensive for us, not giving up any points, you know, looking back at that. But just as a, as a program, as a team, as a, as a uh, you know, just the direction we went in there was see those kids fight and, and go out there and, and take it over, um, you know, get a stop on four, four downs. Um, they, try, they try a shot on fourth down. So get a shot of turnover on downs there. We uh, forced them to miss a field goal there. And then our offense putting points on the board, just kind of you can see the confidence with our kids, you know, maybe some in the second and third, they didn't have it because we weren't really – things. the momentum wasn't going our way. But once we caught that momentum there in the fourth quarter, you've seen our kids take off. And, and there was no doubt, you know, once we get that onside kick, hey, we're going to go win the game here. So uh, just awesome. And we got to keep continuing, like you said, replic- replicate that every, every day in practice, our meetings, wherever it may be. All right, uh, that is uh, today's Pirate Report for Greenville Pathology, uh, also for Wilson Roads Heating and Air Conditioning, HealthWise Pharmacy on Memorial Drive in Greenville, and by Dogwood State Bank. Right now, let's send it over uh, to the ref, Philip Pilkington, for a 94-3 The Game Sports Flash update. Thanks, Patrick. Philip Pilkington here with your 94-3 The Game Sports update in college sports. Tonight, ECU Women's Soccer hosts number 17 SMU at The Game is at 7 p.m. If you can't make it out, it can also be seen on ESPN+. Tonight in college football, Appalachian State hosts Marshall. The Mountaineers are favored by a touchdown. Also in the world of football, the Carolina Panthers travel to Houston tonight. They are 8.5-point favorites. The Texans will start backup QB Davis Mills. And the Lions head coach Dan Campbell confirms that the team is trying to trade linebacker Jamie Collins. On to Major League Baseball, the D-backs have given a one-year extension to manager Tori Lovulo. And speaking of those Diamondbacks, they are in action currently against the Atlanta Braves, who lead the NL East. They trail 3-0 to the Braves. 
other NL NL division leaders, the Brewers, they are in action against the Cardinals. They trail 7-5. Brewers trying to close out that division. Cardinals trying to catch them as well as stay in the hunt for the wild card. One of the other teams in the NL wild card is the Los Angeles Dodgers. They trail the Rockies 5-3. They're trying to catch the Giants for the division, however. They trail the Padres 4-2. Moving on to the American League, two teams battling it out for the final wild card spot, the Oakland Athletics and the Seattle Mariners. They are currently underway in Oakland in the bottom of the fourth inning where the A's lead 4-1. And staying in the American League, one game has gone final today. The Chicago White Sox beat the Cleveland Indians, which won them the American League Central. Indians well out of the wild card race. That'll do it for your 94-3 The Game Sports Update. We're going to head to a break, but when we return, Brian Mole joins Patrick to talk about the Ryder Cup. Check too, dreadful. But this was a top ten song for Kenny Loggins. I can have a little golf music coming into Brian Mole's segment, Caddy Network. Here we go. Kenny, Kenny Loggins, he, 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 he had part the uh, industry there with the Caddyshack. Uh... Yeah. Three top ten hits from movies. Caddyshack, one. I'm all right. This song from two. Nobody's Fool. Here we go. And then Top Gun. Brian, when we lived in uh, Florida, not you and me, my uh, wife and I lived in Florida, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw Kenny Loggins. The radio station did this really great sort of downtown concert series. They'd shut down an intersection. Right. And they'd have, con- I mean, like acts. And Kenny Loggins played one time. And we got, you know, we decided we'd go to see it. Because, I mean, what else were you going to see Kenny Loggins, right? Sure. He's pretty good. He was really good. That, I would, still sing? I, he could still sing at the time, yeah. I would put that as one of my most surprising concerts I ever went to. As far as just really enjoying it. And it was a great, it was a great deal. We actually sat in the wrong section. We were with the VIP VIPs, not the VIPs, but the real VIPs. So we had a great, you know, we were close to the stage, but not too close. And it was great. It was great. So he he was a fun fact. Here's a fun fact for you and another golf tie to the Loggins family. Uh Uh-huh. Kenny's cousin, Dave. Wrote the the theme song for the Masters that you hear, the tinkling of the pianos. I think I knew that, but thank you for reminding me of that. Yeah, and there are lyrics. Uh, you can dig around on your YouTube and find uh, versions of him actually singing the words. But, uh, of course, CBS just goes with the instrumental. Uh, that makes sense, so, right? There was a time early watching some old footage, maybe the early 80s. I think he wrote the song in 81, where they where the – you know, he was singing, but uh, they, they quickly just transitioned to the, yeah. to the instrumental that we all know and associate with uh, the Green Jacket. You know, anyway, uh, Dave Loggins. 
Mike Stone, you're talking about some bad golf music, but, but we're, that's for another day. That's for another day. Maybe maybe a <laughs> podcast down the road. Sorry to all the Mike Stone fans out there. All right, uh, Ryder Cup coming up. Caddy Network's Brian Mull is uh, with us covering uh, the world of golf. Hey, um, I, I understand why they're putting this. I mean, this is, but, you know, I guess ESPN put out one of their, their rankings a day ago of the uh, mm-hmm. players 1 to 24. That's uh, been a popular piece. I've seen it at about seven different outlets this, this time. It has JT as the top American player and the number two overall. You buying that or um, selling that? I am buying it because of his uh, his record in team events. Okay. Going back to uh, his amateur days on the Walker Cup, his President's Cup. Now, as he said, I've had some pretty good partners. Um, I've played with Jordan Spieth and Tiger Woods. And, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, I, I've had some success, but he's also done well in the individuals. And I felt like, I felt like if the tour season had lasted for another month, that Justin Thomas was was trending nicely, and was prob- probably would have won a, a tournament mm-hmm. and, and may win this fall. I don't know what his schedule is, but I felt like his after a disappointing season, he was trending well. But I think uh, it's still all that being said. Cantley uh, has played the best. Right, right. And Cantley on that list, uh, for those of you scoring at home, is number five. So that makes that uh, I'm I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that as well. Five out of twenty four. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So obviously that list, I guess, is taking into account the Ryder Cup. So here, here's I'm very excited about this. It starts tomorrow, or last through Sunday. Um. The U.S. team is young, six rookies to the Ryder Cup on it. Some guys have played President's Cup, but six Ryder Cup rookies. And then you've only got three of the so-called rookies at the Ryder Cup uh, for the European team. And the European team, by the way, lots of uh, lots of, of gray hair on that team, but a lot of ex- a lot of winning experience too. How do you see it? Yeah, the, this is the youngest. Uh... American team since 1927, average age 29. Uh, Dustin Johnson is literally the gray beard of the team in his fifth Ryder Cup at age 37. Whereas uh, everyone that European captain Padraig Harrington picked is older than Dustin Johnson. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, certainly Lee Westwood and Sergio and Holter and Paul Casey and these guys have they have tremendous experience. And unlike the, the veterans on the American side that that aren't on this team that, you know, the would be veterans of, you know, the, the Europeans have winning experience and, um, you know, that that's the way that they feel like they can offset our talent advantage because eight of the top 10 players in the world are on the American team and only one top 10 player, John Rom mm-hmm. on the European side. So, uh, it, it's a mismatch from that standpoint. Uh, Ian Poulter barely had a top 30 finish on the PGA tour this year, but, and none of that seems to matter during this week, every two years, rankings and, uh, you know, what they've done in stroke play tournaments. This doesn't seem to matter. And, and, and really the big advantage, uh, you know, 
where the where the Americans have just been befuddled is in the alternate shot, which is kind of surprising to me that they're starting with that format on on Friday morning. Host host team has a choice right. you know, of whether to start with the alternate shot or the four balls. And uh, Europe has like a thirty-one to fifteen. I mean, it's it's overwhelming. It's been domination in that format. Uh, I I know that. Uh, yeah, the Americans have spent a little bit of time, according on on site practicing, and I think we'll, I know the four teams that are they're going to roll out there in the morning. You can't argue with any of them, but yeah, uh, that it, it's that's where they're going to have to to make the difference is in the foursomes. Right. Here's here's what I'm. Uh, I don't want to get all golf nerdy in here, but I I kind of have fallen into this a little bit. Uh, you mentioned Poulter, but it seems like he plays really well. He's a great irritant in this event. For the Amer- towards the Americans. And then you have Sergio, who is the all-time point scorer in this event for Europe. So, I, you know, those two throw out whatever they did or didn't do in the last super season. They rise to the occasion. Sergio, who's a meh putter at best, everything's lights out during this event for him with the flat stick. Yeah, it's amazing. And, and let's let's be honest, he is still among the best ball strikers. Uh, oh, easily. Statistically, yeah. aesthetically, uh, you know, week in and week out. He won last year in Mississippi. Um, he, he had a pretty, he's had a pretty good year. You know, his play in the majors has fallen off since he won the Masters um, a few years back, but you're right. He turns into a different person on the greens. It's like, uh, you know, Match play in general frees people up on the greens because either you a you have a partner or b you're putting to to tie the hole or win the hole so the next putt doesn't really matter um, and you know you have to make birdies and be aggressive in four balls so but but he does he he takes on a different persona on the greens and he he's fiery and uh, that feeds through the through the team and he's been a reliable partner um, for you know whomever. Yeah. And, and continued that great Spanish lineage started by Seve and probably going to be continued by John Rahm for the next 15 or 20 years. Yeah, boy, adding the Spaniards to this event uh, historically has, has made a huge difference as well. All right, uh, Brian Mull with us here. I got one more sort of nerdy thing before we get into the more universal part of this. Uh, I think Kevin Na, with his ability and his short game, would have been a perfect partner with DeChambeau, but also I think would have been a great – because, look, Brian, do you remember any great – you might have a few wedge shots, uh, you know, sand shots that, that stand out as all-time, but aren't the putts what we remember in the Ryder Cup historically? I guess you could criticize – because, I mean, he there's a guy who, again, just makes putts. They, the, the putts are important, but um, statistically, when they've had the PGA Championship at Whistling Straits, which has taken place, four times, I think, most recently in 2015 when Jason Day won. Driving distance, not even really driving accuracy, but just driving distance has been the most important statistic Mm -hmm. as it pertains to winning and or finishing high. And I think Stricker obviously had that, all of that data available and just felt like the course fit for Kevin Nall was not great. Um, Mm -hmm. And that mattered. Mm -hmm. You know, Kevin Nall makes – he makes his money on golf courses where you have to hit the fairway and they're reasonable length, you know, tee to green and, 
and he creates more birdie opportunities for himself that way. And I think there was just a concern that this week, you know, but, but I agree. That would have been an intriguing pairing. He and DeChambeau. Yeah. Uh, there's no question. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, if, if the U S doesn't win, uh, certainly Stricker will be second guess. Uh, you know, his, his having six picks this year because of the nature of, of everything that's gone on, you know, he, he's going to be under a, a, a intense microscope. Because those players need to perform. Yeah. Um, we got Brian Mall, Caddy Network, uh, other outlets covering golf with us here. A couple more things with him before we uh, wrap up uh, things here. Uh, but I wanted to ask you a little bit about uh, – you, you alluded to Whistling Straits. Um, what what kind of course could we expect? I think more importantly, what kind of – I mean, look, hole one, It's I mean, there's, there's going to be as many people there as there might be at, at, at some college football games this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. The atmosphere, obviously, Ryder Cup is different than any other event. And that's what a lot of people love about it. And the fans who are able to attend love to, to kind of be able to let loose a little bit. Certainly still respectful while people are playing their shots, but get, you know, encouraged to be rowdy and treat it like a Wisconsin Badgers or Green Bay Packers football game. And, and, and I'm, you'll see some of that, or, you know, and you'll see players encouraging the crowd and things that you would just never see. Um, so it is, but it, I've also heard from some people on site this week that uh, just the nature of the golf course, the layout with all the sandy areas and everything, the fans are pretty far back from the greens, especially compared to where they were at Hazeltine. Last time it was in the States in 2016 in Minnesota. And um, so I don't know that we're going to have quite the environment that we've seen in some other recent Ryder Cups because just because of the, the layout of the, you know, the topography the golf course they just can't on certain holes they they just can't get the spectators but so close to the greens uh brian beyond the obvious this is some next level stuff i'm looking for you here the u.s wins because of what x factor uh the euros win because of what x factor well i think the americans X factor is Brooks Kepka because based on everything I can tell Stricker is going to lean on Brooks Kepka as he should. He's a four-time major champion. Kepka's not had a great year. Yes. He played well in the majors. He contended in the majors. He's been hurt something, though, right? He always seems to do, but it seems, yeah, the last couple of years, he has not been healthy. Of course, there was all the, the drama that was going on with the Bryce stuff et cetera, et cetera. But look, Brooks Kepka is one of the top five players in the world when he's right. And he's as tough a competitor as we have on the American side. And he has not performed particularly well, especially last time when the Americans were shellacked in Paris. He needs to play well because he's going to be thrown out there probably in three, if not you know, probably three of the four team matches. And it looks like he has a good partner. His fellow South Floridian, Daniel Berger, I think that could be a very good dynamic. And so that's a team that, um, you know, needs to produce some points for the Americans. I think if they do, especially help them get off to a good start in the foursomes on Friday morning, then, then that bodes well for, for the U.S. And, and on the European side, it's just, you know, can these older guys, can these veterans bottle up their magic one more time? I mean, Paul Casey has continued to be a consistent, extremely consistent player who plays well in the majors. And he doesn't win very often, but uh, has won around the world. 
Um, they're going to need a big week from him. They're going to need a big week from Westwood, who who played really well in the spring but hasn't done much since. And, of course, Poulter. Uh, you know, Poulter has been a guy that uh, they could rely on for three to four points in a lot of these winning Ryder Cups and uh, did not play quite as well in Paris, but certainly an emotional part of the team. And, and, and you know, his contributions, like Westwood's, go beyond the course. I mean, certainly in the team room and, and helping the younger players. But they, they, they're going to need – those guys can't just be, cap, you know, vice captains <laughs> and cheerleaders. They, they need them to play good golf. And, uh, you know, that that's not something they've done consistently this season. Hey, Brian, enjoyed it. Should be a great deal of fun. Thanks for uh, your thoughts on it. Thanks, Patrick. Uh, should be a great weekend. Absolutely should. We continue on with the Patrick Johnson Show. We'll talk a little local football. That's being played tonight as well. Northern part of the county, north of the river, North Pitt, and their head coach, Greg Watford, next. More of the Patrick Johnson Show is coming up. We want more. Like, you really like it. You right. want more. On your flagship home of Pirate Baseball, 94.3 The Game and 94.3thegame.com. On Fridays, we usually like to catch up with uh, a high school guest. Uh, we'll still have somebody in mind uh, for that on Friday, but I wanted to go ahead and catch up uh, with uh, the head coach of the uh, North Pitt Panthers. They're off to a really nice start. And they're actually playing tonight at home against uh, North Johnston. So uh, Greg Watford, coach of the uh, Panthers, joins us here. They've won three in a row. They're off to a really nice start of the year. Coach, great to catch up with you. Hey, Pat, same here. It's good to hear from you guys and just ready to get some football going. Yeah, happening uh, tonight. Let me ask you a little bit about this this start to the year. And, uh, you know, I know you guys don't like us media sorts talking about this sort of thing, but – uh, the, uh, the win tonight, if there is one, uh, you, you're in a real good spot. Uh, North, North Johnston struggled, but, uh, if you guys win tonight, the most wins since you've been there in a single season, pretty good stuff. Oh yeah. 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 We're, we're excited. I, you know, we felt like we had a pretty good spring. You know, we had some injuries, some other things go on, but we finished on a, on a two game winning streak in the spring. We had a game we lost or was canceled during due to COVID. And um, we only lost two seniors from last year, so we felt really good about the prospects coming in, and so the kids have lived up to their expectations thus far. And then well, our expectations. Y'all, y'all uh, got that first game, as you mentioned, uh, wiped out because of the COVID situation, and then uh, lo and behold, look what happens. You guys reschedule a game with probably the, the, the best team in the East, Newburn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, and the reality is, yeah, you know they're, they're a great team, but the score is not indicative of how the game went. You know, we dropped down twenty-eight to zero. We had uh, had three starters out on defense and two on offense due to various reasons. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. And um, but once those guys got back in the game in the second quarter. Um, we played them about as well as anybody's played them all year. And that was a big confidence booster for our kids. Mm-hmm. And um, now don't get me wrong. We'd rather win. There's not a lesson I've ever learned from losing that I wouldn't rather learn from winning, but we found out some things about us that one where you know, we can compete and that we've, the hard work has been paying off. And so, you know, again, Newbern is a phenomenal team and, you know, for three quarters, we held our own. So, Coach, uh, you, are on this winning streak now and most recently coming off uh, a win last Friday against Green Central by 30 points. What What is it that, uh, of course, you, you said you had a lot of players back from the spring, but 
what is it that this group is doing to kind of take these steps? Because this this isn't an over you know, Rome was not built in a in a day, or this is not one of those overnight successes necessarily. No, absolutely, it isn't. We've um, you know, it, it was a struggle early on getting our numbers up, getting kids in the program, but we now have several seniors. You now, of our six or seven seniors, they've been in the program four years. Um, Raheem Jones is a an incredible talent. He plays nose guard and tailback for us. Um, him, Coleon Foreman, Elijah Bonner. You know, these guys have just been great leaders for us. Jaquel Hyman is having a super year. Um, those guys have just stepped up. They've made plays when we needed to make plays, whereas in the past, we just, you know, we were always a play here or a play there from not getting it, you know, from getting it done. And this year we're making the plays, and that's that's been the biggest difference. Um, if I had to give a catalyst, I'd have to give credit to our quarterback, Devin Crumble. Mm-hmm. You know, Devin's now Devin's five and one as a starter. You know, we started him the last two games of the year last year. He's a, also the point guard in basketball, and he's just one of those guys that that just natural leader who's a great athlete, but has a really good feel for the position and for the game. So that you know, quarterback play and and then just those running backs we have have really been big for us. We're talking to uh, Craig, uh, Coach Greg Watford. He's the uh, head coach for North Pitt football. They're playing tonight, and they're playing North Johnston at uh, home. Uh, you guys, uh, kind of a, a new conference in the sense that uh, mm-hmm. some different conference opponents. Uh, this is uh, this is going to be one of those deals uh, tonight. After after this, uh, everything is going to you know really count for you all as far as the conference championship goes. So, how do you see the conference stacking up? Well, you know, it's, 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 it's tough. It's kind of COVID, COVID has played havoc, you know, with the scheduling. So it's hard to say, you know, we're, we're, we're a team that was picked at the bottom of the conference. And um, we felt that might have been a tad low. But, um, <laughs> you know, the thing is, you're talking about a conference that's got um, West Craven, a perennial winner, Washington last year's Eastern champions or FOP champions, um, Southwest Eskom, I think they're what? three or four years removed from the Eastern Championship. Mm-hmm. So it's a tough conference. And um, knowing that, we've, we've had to prepare dif- differently. That was one of the reasons we picked up the Newbern game. We wanted to play somebody that was tough, that would be on the same caliber as the teams in our conference. And hopefully that would um, you know, kind of give us a sense of where we stood and, and, and what we had to do to be on the level of those other teams I just mentioned. Right. So, you know, that, that was the thing. And, and right now um, – we're playing well. We're still making way too many errors on penalties. Uh, I think we had five touchdowns called back thus far in the last three games. Mm. And, and that kind of thing, you know, in a game, in a big, tight game, that can hurt you. So we're working on ironing those out. But um, we feel like, again, our backs our backs, and our back seven on defense are as, as good as anybody's around. Yeah. And so that, that's kind of carrying us right now. Mentioned three and one. Also, uh, I should note one and zero, or uh, yeah, one and zero in the the league. At Green Central was a conference game last week. So, uh, but it does yeah. hold true after tonight. Everything is uh, conference from here on out. No, if you look at it, uh, Southwest. I don't want to say they're down, but they're maybe not vintage Southwest Edgecombe. Uh, you all have already beaten Green Central. Farmville Central is trying to build things up over there. Uh, Aiden Grifton. It's kind of hard to tell because they they've had a lot of starts and stops. Same thing for West Craven. You know, Washington had that horrible tragedy uh, with uh, a member of their team. Oh, yeah. and, and I think that's, you know, kind of remains to be seen how that will affect them uh, the rest of the way. I mean, that's just an unthinkable sort of thing. I guess what I'm yeah. getting at is this seems like a conference that 
know how up for grabs it is, but at least there's a, an opportunity for your team to to finish well ahead of where you were uh, you were picked by the prognosticators in the preseason. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You're right. Um, you know, we've, and it's been a, a, again just a different season. Some of us, the COVID stuff, the tragedy that happened in Washington. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, Aiden having to move games and, and so forth because of just everything going on. It does make it. It makes it difficult to predict, but by the same token, I've told, been telling our kids since day one, um, we determine how far we go. I really believe it. I've, you know, I've done this for a little while and I've <laughs> been a lot of places, and uh, I feel like our skilled people, we're, we're not very, we're not great up front. And I'm, I'm just admitting it, they know it. We've got a lot of work to do. But our skilled people are, are as good as any skilled people anywhere on any level. You know, I mean, I think – you saw flashes of it against Newbert. You know, when those kids came into the game that had to sit for a little bit, they made plays. And I've been talking with um, Tori and Bobby at Newbert. They, you know, they were very complimentary of, of where we could be. Mm-hmm. You know, things keep getting keep improving. So, you know, right now we just got to get improved, keep improving, and um, and get some consistency defensively and offensively. And Pat, I'll tell you, I, I think we got a chance. I think yeah. we got a chance to be decent. I really do. Uh, right now, they have won uh, three in a row, has uh, North Pitt. They've got North Johnston tonight, and uh, North has uh, really struggled coming in, uh, North Johnston, that is. So uh, we'll see what happens as the uh, Panthers are uh, at home on a Thursday night playing. Um, you like this? I mean, obviously, you got to go through it, but from the geography, the rivalry, a couple other Pitt County schools, Green Central's nearby, Washington, do you like the, the makeup of this conference a little better? I really do. I, I think, first of all, I think it's a very competitive conference, as I mentioned earlier. You know, you've you got teams that have been playing for championships in the last decade. Washington, um, Washington, West Craven, and Southwest have all been very good. You know, they're all well coached. Um, so that helps. But then the proximity, you know, where you have some natural robberies there, I think, you know, makes a difference. You know, I, when I was down at West Carteret a decade or so ago, you know, we played. West Craven regularly with Clay Jordan there, and they were a, a power. And so, our, you know, we were letting our coaches and our kids know that, listen, this, this is a great opportunity you, for you to find out who you really are as a team. You know, and, and so, yeah, I, I really have enjoyed – one, young friends with a lot of these coaches. Um, our kids know a lot of the kids they're playing against, so that just makes it more intense. Um, and, you know, and I, I just think it brings a lot more excitement to the game when you know your opponent as well as we know some of these opponents. So, Greg, doing the TV for the championships and uh, the triangle package uh, here in recent years, um, it just seems to me what's real interesting is there's a real uh, kinship among the head coaches uh, in the East. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the you know the, the Eastern Association that Coach Cornwell started all those years ago, and and that group kind of regularly gets together. But uh, and of course, I know you've been around a bit, but it, it just seems like uh, the coaches even you know, teams that you might compete with year in and year out all get along really, really well. Yeah, I, I think yeah, I think you hit on something there with, you know, the Eastern North Carolina Coaches Association that Paul and those guys started several years ago has allowed us to bond and get to know each other better. Um, I, I look at Washington, you know, I actually coached Perry in the Shrine Bowl mm-hmm. 12 or 13 years ago, and we've always stayed in touch. Um, down in New Tory now, I've actually coached some of his relatives when I was coaching at Gates County. So you you know, you get to build that relationship, especially if you stay, you know, I've moved around a lot, but primarily east of I-85, you know, so 
Well, I know a lot of the guys, but I think just because of geographics and because, you know, let's, let's just be honest. You know, in the past, the East didn't get a lot of respect. If you weren't Tarboro or Northwest, I mean, North Edgecombe or Newbern, a lot of the schools East of 95 didn't get much respect football-wise. And so um, recently we've had a lot more success. Um, and, I, and, again, I, I think I chalked that up to some of these young coaches coming in, putting in the work. And um, and trying to legitimize football as part of the state, I think that's what the coaches association has done. And um, these guys take it seriously. And so that said, yeah, we are a little closer knit group. Um, I think football is growing; it's become more of a priority in this part of the state. And um, yeah, all of that adds up to making it just better for the fans and the communities at large. We're talking to Greg Watford, North Pitt coach. A couple more things. Um... C.J. Wilson, uh, we talked to him before the season, added to the uh, staff there. How much of a, an impact has C.J. kind of had on, on things? I, 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 yeah, you can't quantify. He's been incredible. Um, brings a lot of enthusiasm, playing experience, and being a younger guy, the kids relate to him a little better than me. <laughs> um, you know, C.J., just, he's just been great, man. He come in, that intensity that he brings, um, and he's a great guy. I mean, character-wise, you know, he's the kind of guy you want around your kids and your players. And not, and not just C.J. I can't see you know, I've got C.J. Wilson, C.J. Grissett, who's a former South Roberson player. He's Carolina grad. Um, all my staff, you know, the younger guys, C.J., uh, we got an intern with us, Rich Simmons. And then the older guys, you know, Roosevelt Hines, um, Larry Edwards, Mike Dale. You know, Mike Dale is a former state coach of the year over in Northampton. He's with me on the defensive side. So, I'm very fortunate that, that the, you know, we've managed to keep it together long enough that we can build some continuity and start growing the program. You know, we finished the, the team, we finished the season, what, in 2018 with 19 players. Yeah. And now we're, we're, we're close to 70 in the program. Wow. And so that's, that's, that's a big jump and, and hopefully that bodes well for us in the future. But yes, yeah, CJ and those guys really have brought a lot of energy and enthusiasm to the program. And that's, that's going only can help us. To only make us better. Yeah, uh, coach. What uh, what do you all have to do to uh, to get a four straight win tonight? Well, you know they they run the single wing, so that's yeah. that's always tough. You know, you only see it once a year, maybe, and um, and we just got to protect the ball. I, I feel like you know our speed could be an advantage for us, and if we can keep our keep our guys focused, protect the ball, it's gonna be a little damp. Um, and come out and fly to the ball on defense. I think we're going to be okay. I think we could be, you know, be successful. Hey, coach, thanks for the time. And uh, great to hear those numbers are up. Uh, like uh, you said, they were at 70 in the program now. Uh, that's that's just really great to hear and uh, continued success to you all. Best of luck tonight. Hey, good deal. Thank you. Take care. A real good guy, uh, and that is uh, Greg Watford. We're going to have Andy Two tomorrow from South Central uh, on with us. Uh, they're going to be playing Rose. You'll hear that game right here tomorrow night on 94.3 The Game. So uh, we'll be talking to Coach Two, who's also uh, one of the really, really good guys in uh, coaching uh, tomorrow. Plus, uh, we'll hear from Coach Houston on our Pirate Report. Thanks to Coach Watford. Thanks to Brian Mull. And also thanks to the ref, Philip Pilkington. Panthers tonight hear the game starting at 730 on our sister station. And that is Talk 1037 WTIB. Have a great rest of your evening, everybody.